Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 106 of the In Discussions, podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you through games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is the evil clone of Ben Bumhofer. <laughs> no, no, I just, uh, you know, well, evil is really kind of just skin deep, or no, actually, it's it's deeper than that. It it goes all the way to your soul. Yeah. And unfortunately, or fortunately for many people, Ben can't do that. It's really hard. Really hard. <laughs> like we were literally discussing his dark <laughs> urge playthrough in Baldur's Gate three and how he was having the hardest time actually being evil. Yeah. In his evil playthrough. Yeah. In fact, uh, back when I was streaming uh, mass effect, like years ago, um, I I had Twitter vote like, okay, should I do a renegade or Paragon playthrough? Throw renegade. I'm like, okay, cool. And that was just so hard to make some of those decisions. And by the, by the third game, I was like, kind of just, you know, lukewarm evil. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. And <laughs> I just, yeah, I, it, I had a hard time and you're right. Baldur's Gate three is gosh, my, my, <laughs> my camp has very few people in it. <laughs> Uh, well, if that didn't give you some sort of a hint, uh, we're going to be talking uh, well, several things tonight. But uh, first, we are going to answer a listener question that was sent in to deandiscussions at gmail.com. Hint, hint, if you have your own. Uh, <laughs> and it's and the, the whole topic is going to be around running an evil campaign. And this is actually a super interesting topic because... Uh, I think there are several ways you can approach this uh, and some of them may be more beneficial to playing well than others. So we're going to kind of talk through this a little bit, but first um, Cameron writes in, I would love to see a segment on running an evil game. I'm working on preparing my third campaign set in my world, and I'm planning on doing a small evil game before we do that set in the same world. I have some ideas, but have trouble putting the pieces together. Any advice would be helpful. Okay, so um, a few things for for evil campaigns. Uh, Session zero is more important than ever yes for an evil campaign because you have to set the tone because there is a very large scale of what evil actually is mm -hmm. there is we are vigilantes there is we are actually on the wrong side of the law and involved in criminal organizations or there's the full-on we are chaotic evil and we just murder people just cause um, yeah, that last option is incredibly hard to run for, for any sort of any like lengthy time campaign, right? Mm -hmm. You could probably do a one shot or a few shot where you, you had characters that were kind of like that in a very specific scenario, but that will be very hard, be hard to maintain long-term especially if especially trying to keep the cohesiveness of the party together with personalities like that. Yeah. I'm... Although, 
Although you could do very much do, and I've always, I've always thought this would be kind of interesting. You could very much do a suicide squad type of short campaign, which I've always thought would be very interesting to do because then you could take characters like that and throw them in together kind of leashed or tethered to an external purpose. Yeah. And I mean, personally, I'm not the biggest fan of just murder hobos, just going around killing everybody. You see, I personally, that's not my kind of game. You know, it's like, okay, well you have this informant that's coming up. Let's kill him. Okay. Well that doesn't really drive any sort of plot or story. Um, or, okay, let's get the information. Now let's kill him. You know, it's like, this isn't a video game where, you know, this stuff doesn't really matter at all. Um, or there's, you know, protected NPCs where, you know, oh, you can't kill them or shoot them or do anything like that because, you know, they're protected and you'll get the story from them and then just move forward and then just mow down the rest of the city that you see or whatever. I don't know. It's not interesting to me. I'm sure it is out there for someone. Great. Not a big deal for me. And that's where, you know, uh, my first big thing is, is like, as an evil character, you need to have some sort of motivation, you know, whether that is, I mean, if your motivation is just, you know, watch the world burn and, and destroy everything, then again, that's not much of a, of a, a story based game, a quest based game or anything. It's just, let's go around, cause as much chaos as we can. Like when I play grand theft auto, I rarely play it for the story for very long. I just, you know, go crazy and see what happens and stuff. Then I'm kind of done. So that's kind of what you're looking at with just, straight up murder hobos. That's all you're kind of running around with. But if your characters have some sort of motivation that they're going for, like um, revenge would be like a really good thing. Like you, you ever see the movie payback with um, uh, Mel Gibson? He's total revenge mission. You know, he's not a good guy. You don't want to do that. Um, uh, maybe someone was, you know, uh, disposed from the throne and they're fighting to get it back, but they're, you know, an evil tyrant of some sort, you know, they have their motivation. This is what they're going towards. Some people, you know, want to summon their, you know, death God because they worship them and, and everything, you know, that doesn't mean they're going around killing everybody, but they have the ultimate goal of kind of ending the world. You can do something you know, that grandiose, you know, make sure that characters have some sort of strong motivation that is guiding them towards doing things that <laughs> would actually like have them lean towards, you know, these evil tendencies. And that gives it, you know, the characters a lot more depth or depth than just, you know, murder, death, kill the whole time. You know, it, it, it helps drive the story along, helps propel them into doing things that will actually enhance the world around them and change things. So that's, they're actually making an impression on what's going on. Yep. And, and again, that's, that's the tone you want to set in your session zero. You need to make mm -hmm. sure everybody is on the same page uh, with what tone, how dark basically you're going. Uh, and especially for evil campaigns, make sure you do your safety rules because Yes, those are very important because you potentially may encounter things or your characters may do things that uh, characters would not normally do in a standard campaign or a, you know, hero type campaign. Mm -hmm. um, I have actually played in a longer term evil campaign. Uh, and I thought it was uh, run by one of my one of my buddies. And I thought it was actually... Uh, 
run really well because we we were all characters not that we're we we definitely murdered people but we weren't murder hoboey we mm-hmm. actually worked for an evil slash criminal organization and i thought that was a really good way to do it because then that was able to drive the story mm-hmm. based on kind of what we were wanting to do and then the goals of that organization um and if that had campaign had continued my assumption would have been that those goals would have evolved uh the characters would have potentially progressed within uh the organization itself there was an ultimate goal of the organization to basically get the person who is running it back into a position of power in this city and so i thought it was it was very well done it was evil but allowed the party to be cohesive and have a group goal together that (laughs) that didn't lend them like pvp essentially uh because you don't necessarily want to get into that aspect of it unless that's the very specific thing you're going for Mm-hmm. Um, so having, having some sort of cohesive glue to give the reason, a reason for the party to be together, I think for an evil campaign is extremely important. Um, and then, uh, one of the things I, I like about evil campaigns and this, and to kind of shift your thinking is your encounters change a lot too, because a lot of those monsters or NPC type people that you normally wouldn't fight or you normally wouldn't have combat with. You can actually do that now, which is, which is very, very interesting. So you can fight the good dragons. You can fight, uh, the guards, you can fight, uh, the, the paladins, um, or the, the good clerics, or you can fight those, you know, good aligned creatures that normally might be allies. So there's a ton of, a ton of those throughout not only official books, but third party books as well that you normally only get to use the stat blocks for NPCs Mm -hmm. uh, or just use the um, monster design as something to show, but not something that you will actually end up using the stat block for. So it's a it's a really fun thing for the DM because you get to use more tools that you probably don't get to use very often in a more standard campaign. Exactly. And another thing, too, is that um, as you're kind of, you know, creating the world, creating things, you do need to make sure to just like you would with a, a good campaign, um, make sure that there's opportunities for the players to do their evil things. Um, you know, whether that is, you know, uh, maybe bribing or manipulating or corrupting, you know, government officials to kind of get things their way or, um, you know, uh, make sure that they're, they're taking their, 
their thieves guild and infiltrating into a, you know, the next town that they go in or, you know, something along those lines. Um, what if, if it's, you know, that sort of evil that they're going, if they're again, trying to bring about the, their, their death deity or whatever, you know, give them places to, you know, kind of start spreading cult like information around, you know, give them, um, ways to kind of grow their power. That's not just the player. Because and if you think about it, in a lot of worlds of D and D, like the bad guys, the evil and stuff, it it it's more than just one person just sitting in the dark somewhere and just cackling to themselves. They've got minions. They have, um, you know, a power base of some sort. They have, you know, people working for them. Again, don't know why or how, but you get to help them figure out why and how that this is actually happening, grow their power in ways that isn't just leveling up. And that's kind of how, you know, you build an evil empire. It's how you're able to, you know, raise their power level so that, you know, they can just walk down the street. And if they don't like the jester, who's, you know, trying to entertain them or something, or, or the, the mime who's just busking on the side or whatever, and they take them out you know, they could have some corrupt guards just kind of look at it and be like, oh, no, that's cool. Like, you know, maybe this is some sort of like mafia kind of thing. Maybe it's, you know, someone who's grown into power, who is an actual king now because of the way that the story has gone. They're just a tyrant. They're doing what they want. I mean, give them every opportunity that they can to kind of play out that evil side of things. I I completely agree. And I think evil campaigns especially are ripe for uh, political intrigue mm-hmm. campaigns um, just because of stuff like that, because having the players bribing the guards to get in somewhere or to assassinate somebody or have that sort of thing happening is incredibly interesting from the other side, right? Um, evil campaigns. Uh, you can also are also good if you don't want to necessarily even start them off as low level people, mm-hmm. right? Start them off at five, start them off at seven, start off at nine, right? Uh, get, get the power level up a little bit, uh, have them be bigger deals in whatever organization they're in. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, have them be running their own thing. Yeah. Give them some, or, some, <clears throat> some lackeys just right away. Give them, you know, two or three lackeys. Yeah. Have them have them fulfilling some sort of a, a contract for somebody. There's there's a whole lot of things you can do, um, but basically, so from a planning perspective, think about what would I do. What would I set up for my campaign's heroes, and then flip it on its head. Mm-hmm. If the heroes are going to save X person from getting kidnapped in the forest on the other side you kidnap the person and take them to the forest then maybe you have to fight people who are looking for them Mm -hmm. like it's it's really cool because all you have to do is figure out what would the heroes do and then flip around to the opposite side of that and that's the line your players on the evil campaign get to play through from the other side. Yep, exactly. And 
having those, you know, just kind of the flipped perspective and everything helps you kind of build out, figure what you're going to do. And then just like you would with heroes, like, especially if you're making like some sort of adventuring guild or something like this, you're just doing the exact opposite. You're making a nefarious guild. Um, you can have, you know, the evil league of evil be, you know, your home base, you know, just whatever you want to do. And then on top of that too, if you are, you know, having them be in some sort of organization, Think about all the fun, random bad guys you get to make who actually get to live, who get to interact, who you get to play as and be nefarious as and just, you know, be, ooh, I hate that guy, but he's such a good bad guy and stuff. You know, you don't have to worry about the big bad evil guy who is, you know, going to die in, you know, two rounds of combat because, you know, your players are heroes who are going after and stopping him. You get to be part of that evil discussion as well, which is a lot of fun. And that means on top of that, you can play the most sanctimonious person as the, the, the good or the, the yes. big good, good guy the, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like the person who the, looks down on evil, the person who is you know so full of themselves that they're the, the best that there is. And their God blesses them with this holy power. Cause they're an Avenger of justice and stuff, you know, just like the, B, the BGG. Yeah, exactly. Big good guy. Yeah. Just totally flip that on its head too, because this gives you a chance to really, you know, play your role in an entirely different way, which is going to be a lot of fun too. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's, it's something I recommend everyone at least trying once, because like I said, there's, there's that darkness slider <laughs> that you can, that you can do to figure out and you need to figure it out before you start where you land, but it does give a really fun, different perspective and it can really energize players because they have to think about things in a completely different way than they normally would while playing a heroic campaign. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, we're, again, if you're looking at alignments and stuff, you're not looking at just chaotic evil the entire time because there are levels to it. Um, Emperor Palpatine and star Wars did everything legally and by the book. And he was one of the most evil characters in the entire, you know, saga. There are ways to do things without, again, just going through and just woohoo. I'm your somebody Sam shooting and killing everything I see, you know, and you can play that way, but there are more interesting ways to do it that you can just kind of just, you know, snake your way into things and just kind of, have fun that way. I, I just, I recommend that. I agree. Um, so anyways, if, uh, if you've ever played in an evil campaign, let us know. We'd love to hear your stories because those are definitely more rare mm -hmm. than just the normal heroic campaigns. Uh, so it, it's, it is a lot of fun. Uh, if you're looking to dive in, but don't have someone to run one for you, uh, Check out Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, <laughs> I mean, seriously, you can uh, run a very legitimate evil campaign. Uh, there's actually a, a whole character origin called the Dark Urge that uh, is basically uh, primed for that sort of thing and will make your gameplay playthrough uh, like it's 90 percent so different. different yeah and <laughs> the best part is you can lean into it or you can fight that urge too you know it it still gives you those options on how to play the character which makes it that much more interesting yeah so uh it's it is it's a unique 
uh, and can be very fun if done well. Mm -hmm. Way to play for sure. Um, We got an example. uh, We did a little short plus five to hit that uh, Jeff, one of our friends, and we're going to actually have him on the show here here pretty soon. Uh, He's currently DMing my uh, Curse of Strahd game. And we're going to bring him on to talk about Curse of Strahd and uh, running modules and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Because uh, he is. Uh, he's good at what he does. Doing an inc- uh, he's, he's incredible. He's done a, a, an incredible job with that. But he I think it was like a four or five shot. Uh, and these were definitely not murder hobos, but uh, not good. Ke- <laughs> not good people. <clears throat> yeah, not good people. Uh, so we've got a little a four or five shot uh, on plus five to hit that uh, that we did that uh, if you're interested in kind of seeing what one of those might be like, uh, you could go listen. Listen to that. It's not super long and it was actually a lot of fun. Yeah, it was uh, uh, lightly based off of one of the Candlekeep uh, adventures, if I remember correctly. And uh, yeah, yep. we had a lot and, of fun and level that. 10, which was super yep. fun. <laughs> yeah. we don't get a we don't get to do that uh those higher level things very often so yeah. and if i remember correctly your character my character we gelled really well because as a necromancer you gave me my uh my pets that's right <laughs> i played uh the ill rigger which was uh is mcdm's custom kind of uh Knight of Hell or paladin of hell <laughs> type class so it ended up being very thematic and and very fun. Yeah, it worked really well. And just overall, it, it was a, a good, fun time. And what an ending. That's all I can say. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, that is Evil Campaigns. Um, we were going to jump into our second topic for the night, uh, where we're going to do a monster fixer. Yay. Uh, and maybe this is something you could use in your evil campaigns or your good campaigns. Cause uh, we, we asked our discord um, what might be some fun ideas for our monster fixer segment and uh, bandits came up just regular old bandits. Uh, and I was like, that is actually super good. Cause we haven't covered those and bandits are the most boring enemies. <laughs> Yes. Like, I mean, I know, I know. Right. So like your, your basic bandit. Yeah. Basic bandit is a CR one eighth. He's got 11 hit points. Like this is like your level one, level two stuff. Right. Uh, I mean, you've also got the, uh, you've also got the bandit captain. Who's actually a CR two. That's a, tiny bit more interesting so that you can throw in another, you know, bandit thing when you're, when you're playing with your bandits. But overall, uh, these are things that could be extremely common, especially in a low level game, uh, as you're traveling on the road, as you're camping at night, uh, or that you encounter, uh, trying to, you know, attack NPCs, farming village, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's take a little bit of time, Ben. Let's let's talk about how to spice up bandits a little bit. Yeah. So let's, let's start with you. What do you what do you think can make bandits more interesting? So th- the first thing I think of 
uh, for bandits is usually, you know, you're traveling down the road and you come across bandits, you know, you're out in the wilderness all alone. There's no support anywhere. And it's a common place for bandits to just kind of hang out along the road, you know, set up, tra- uh, you know, ways to stop your carriage or, or horses or whatever you're doing. And first and foremost, if they have time to set up an area for an ambush, they're going to put traps around in, in some sort of way, whether it's, um, you know, just something to, to incapacitate someone, you know, like, you know, the, 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 the whole, uh, wrap a, a rope around the foot and hang them from a tree kind of thing versus, you know, maybe some exploding traps or if you have like arcane glyphs, if you turn one of them into some sort of caster, um, you know, you can set up any sort of trap that you want in a given area because you know, this is where the bandits are setting up camp. This is what they're doing. This is how they make their money. Um, and one of the, the, the things on top of that too, is based on that, you can start, adding different uh, abilities and stuff like, you know, that a fighter would have that, you know, starts controlling movement, you know, like, um, you know, pushing, uh, pulling, you know, uh, maybe they have a low level drill with like grasping vine. You can pull them onto, you know, one of those rope traps or something. Um, you know, basically do what you can to kind of control combat because this is their entire plan. They're just not going to go into it willy nilly. You know, they're there, they're waiting, they are taking whoever's coming next and they're going to be efficient and fast about it because they don't want a long fight either. Yeah, I really, I really like the idea of traps. I think that's, that's very fitting into the bandit like thing. Um, whether it be them setting it up beforehand or giving them it to them as a, as an action Mm -hmm. or a bonus action they can do, um, like a like a lasso type thing where they throw one out and then try and knock you prone, right? Yeah. Um, one other interesting thing about bandits, uh, if you're playing bandits, just not even from a mechanical standpoint, but just from a, a mindset standpoint, and this <laughs> this kind of goes for a lot of combat in general. Uh, there are not a lot of things that will fight to the death. Mm-hmm. There really aren't. I know we play a lot of times our combats just in a, in a way where, all right, one side is going to win. Yeah. And one side is just going to lose. And usually that side that loses, everyone is dead or destroyed. Uh, but for the most part, most things usually don't want to fight to the death. Most things will either a surrender or B run away. So one of the great things you can do with bandits is you can end fights with a great chase scene. Yeah. Because the, the remaining bandits, when they start losing a bunch of their dudes and there's only a few left, they'll likely try and run. This introduces um, a lot more dynamic movement onto the board because let's be fair. 5e does not usually have the most dynamic of movements. What? And there's a lot that you can do to make that more interesting using, we've talked about this in previous episodes, you know, using the terrain, using spells or, or mechanics that uh, force movement or have the ability to uh, change movement, um, environmental effects that can affect movement. Um, or a shifting, changing terrain 
of a, a battle map that will force your players to think about where their placement actually is instead of just standing in front of something until it's dead, then moving to the next thing, then moving to the next thing, or someone shooting from the exact same spot for the entire fight, right? Um, so from a bandit standpoint, even their base kit comes with both a ranged and a melee attack. Use that. Don't make them all, don't make them all up in their face. They, they, they're people. Hide them. Like, have them sneak up and sneak around. Uh, attack from range. Uh, attack from cover. Those, those sorts of things that you can even just do with, with your base kit to make things more interesting. And then when the tides turn, they run. Make your characters have to chase them down. Uh, and if it goes off the battle map, turn it into a fun theater of the mind chase scene, right? Yeah. Where you can, where you can basically just start doing skill checks, and then describing these cool things. Uh, the bandits, you know, running and uh, throwing rocks or 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 branches or cutting limbs down with their scimitar that they have to try and block your catching up with them. And then if the bandit gets away, then you have a whole nother fun thing where that can come back again later. So there's a lot of different things you can do like that. They don't even require necessarily changing the mechanics of these very simple, uh, monsters, but more so how they are actually played. Yeah. And on top of that too, again, they work together. This is what their entire thing is. So make sure that they're actually working together when you're doing, you know, your combat. Um, you have the wonderful opportunity here to know what each of them is capable of, know what each of them can do, be a battle master for, you know, a, a couple turns, whether it's, you know, they've been in the business long enough to know that, Hey, that person's not wearing any sort of armor whatsoever. And they're kind of wiggling their fingers weird in these next six seconds. Let's everybody focus fire on them because they're probably going to be the, the, the really hard ones to beat, you know, have them take down a wizard first or someone who might be a cleric, you know, who's dressed up in all these religious symbols or something, you know, they, they've done this a while. They know what they're going for. Um, you know, make their moves, uh, have a lot of good synergy to it. You know, have someone, I don't know, maybe cast magical weapon on someone else's weapon as they're going into attack or, um, you know, have them cast bless, like, you know, work them together as an actual group. You know, if you really want to, you know, give them a good challenge, make them like an adventuring party, you know, have them have a tank and a couple different, like, you know, good damage dealers and maybe a healer just somewhere in the back as well, you know, give them a chance to either drink potions or maybe toss out a small healing word, you know, once during the fight or something, you know, give them a little bit more of, of those low level abilities that, you know, first, second, maybe even third level players have access to. And one thing I really like to do with bandit encounters is I like to throw in a very seldom used stat block um, called, and this is, this is now technically a, a legacy thing, um, but it's a stat block from the lost minds of Fandelver called the evil mage. It's just a CR one. It's got, you know, 22 hit points an armor class of 12, but it has a lot of really fun spells. 
that you can use to spice up an encounter, especially a low level one like this type of bandit encounter. It's got, you know, light mage hand, shocking grass, charm person, magic missile, hold person, misty step. So there's a lot of really fun options just packed into this very simple stat block. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I find that it's, uh, it, it, it can make those bandit type encounters much more interesting if they have this like, yeah, you know, apprentice wizard or this this uh, low level magic user with them, uh, who maybe they try and even try and protect because that person suddenly becomes a target when they're throwing magic missiles at your party that can hit them automatically, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so uh, that's a, it's a stat block I love because it's very simple. Uh, it's very, but it gives a lot of options. Um, and it can dramatically spice up an encounter just by the addition of it. Yeah. Excuse me. And worst comes to worst. Just give one of them a wand. Just, you know, someone has a wand. They can just randomly pull out, do whatever. Just fun. (laughs) I don't know. I just like wands and I think they need to be in the game more. Wands are fun. Wands are fun, especially just like the limited use wands. Mm-hmm. So you can just kind of give away. Um, I know we've well, we've talked about this before. Limited use items. Some of the best items in D&D because you can kind of shower your players a little more with those types of things and not have to worry about balance too much. Exactly. Because it's going to run out at some point. Or so give someone a wand of wonder because you never know what will happen with that. Yeah, that's a that's another super fun one. Yeah, you can randomly um, make an elephant appear. Yay. <laughs> what is this elephant going to do? I don't know. It's going to look oh, really confused now. <laughs> so what else? What else, Ben? What else mechanically do we have? So like the bandit captain has uh, a reaction, which is really interesting because uh, this is one of the like OG monsters from the basic rules. And you don't see a whole lot of monsters with reactions and bonus actions, especially from the, the very early days mm-hmm. of, of 5e. So this one's got parry, where he adds two to his AC against one melee attack that would hit it. Um, so that's a that's a cool reaction. Reactions are, are a lot of fun. Uh, you could have easily give bandits reactions where if a bandit is uh, attacked, then another bandit could use a reaction to move a certain amount of feet towards their friend to assist them. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bandit captain, especially you could give a uh, bonus action or a reaction to uh, that uh, where he calls out. If, if a certain thing happens, like somebody gets a, attacked or he's not in range to make an attack, he can use a reaction uh, to, command someone else to attack or command someone else to move to a, to a certain spot or to grapple somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a play up that boss element, right? Play up that uh, I'm going to give orders or I'm, I'm commanding. And then outs again, outside of the mechanicals, if the bandit captain dies, the regular bandits probably aren't going to stay around for a while. That's probably their their uh, clue to to check out, essentially. 
so make sure you watch that uh, while they're fighting. Have them talking to each other. Have them yelling stuff back and forth. Uh, again, like Ben was saying, this is a group. They don't work as singles. They are they are a coordinated group that are working together to accomplish a task. And usually that task is, I want to rob you. Yeah. When they're shouting uh, orders to each other, whatever, just yell, uh, you know, um, Operation Sigma or something like that, which to them means something. You can just make it up on the spot. Who cares? Um, but, you know, speaking of uh, reactions and, and bonus actions and stuff, uh, give everybody a bonus action of disengage. I mean, to me, again, they're there to, to steal stuff and get out of there. That's what their whole goal is. So I would think that they'd be great at being able to kind of disengage and avoid just, you know, that one swipe and then just book it and get out of there on their turn. Uh, especially, you know, if you have uh, maybe what their reaction could be uh, or one of their reactions, if the bandit captain dies, they use their reaction and just start, you know, taking a, a good 10 10 feet away from the person that they're at, you know, even maybe give them that, uh, um, opportunity attack, but it gives them, you know, 10 feet further. And then you can, again, start into that chase sequence, you know, give them that, that little push of like, Oh, cap's dead. Let's book it, you know, get out of here and, you know, have some fun with that. I, I just, the idea of bandits being just the simplest of things is frustrating because they are the simplest of things, especially when, as a level one character, you have so much more at your disposal than they do. So kind of start pulling different things that you can from, you know, level one abilities, maybe level two abilities and stuff, and just see how it fits on a bandit. You never know. Cause obviously they're better than an average person because they are either wearing armor or they've got abilities. They have, you know, weapons training. So maybe they went a little bit further into say fighter or they used to be the, the captain of the guards so that, you know, they really know how to handle themselves. You know, this is where your bandit captain is, you know, maybe decked out in something a little bit more than leather because he used to be part of the city guard and he decided, Hey, you know what? The King is super corrupt because this is an evil campaign. So I'm going to go ahead and leave and start up my own, uh, my own, company and, and rob from people you know who knows so yeah yeah yeah. no i i always say when in doubt especially for these lower level fights um to make things more interesting give your like especially the main boss or something but even just the normal dudes give them a battle master maneuver <clears throat> or give them two battle master maneuvers right mm -hmm. <clears throat> there's a lot because there's a lot you can do and those can make things way more interesting or give the the bad guys more tools at their disposal um and they're very you don't have to think them through mechanically you just go to the fighter page and steal it yeah exactly just right there very simple to you very fun to add to it and um you know on top of everything the most important thing that you can do with bandits is give them a really scary name and then foreshadow them in the town. And then they attack. And then they're not that bad because they're just bandits. But all all bandit groups love love scary names. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh what uh what are your ideas? 
for bandits. We would love to to hear what you might do to spice up a bandit as well. And uh, like I said, this suggestion came from our Discord. If you have uh, a suggestion or have a monster that you want fixed, uh, please let us know. Yes. All right, Ben. Yeah. Uh, we have a few more little bits that we want to talk about. Um, this is more like D&D news stuff. Um, uh, first off, D&D Beyond dropped their first dev update in I don't know how long. Uh, <laughs> they, it's been a little bit. They, yeah, it's been, it's been a hot minute. Uh, but they have some pretty cool updates to their new maps tool that we've been talking about. They continue to add new back content to that from older modules, uh, the maps. Uh, they have a drawing tool now. Um, they have improved the fog of war. Um, they can resize all the, the token resizing. They get the measurement tool in. They They've got, got a, a pointer. A, the pointer now. Yeah, they've got uh, a way to see who is uh, on it, like who's logged in to the map. They now have a, a DM uh, option that allows you to see the map from what the players are seeing instead of just seeing it from the DM perspective, uh, which is super handy to have uh, when you can see what the, the players are seeing. If you have mm -hmm. a bunch of fog of war and stuff to make sure all the, the right stuff is is overlaid well. Um, yeah, it's speaking of fog of war too. If a player moves a character into the fog of war, they don't have access to them anymore, which is a new thing. You know, it's again everything's in beta. So as all these improvements come and stack up and become you know better and better, um, the, the, it's in a really good spot right now. Yeah, the I I would say I would say if you use D and D Beyond exclusively to play. Um, it is probably pretty dang close to Albert Rodeo levels of functionality mm -hmm. now, but with the D and D beyond integration. Yes. So that's, that's really nice. Um, and it, it seems like this tool is that they, they even said in the video, we are fully committed to this. So it's, it's kind of interesting seeing as they, I know They've talked a whole lot about, you know, their 3D virtual tabletop, and we don't know exactly what that's going to end up looking like or when that's going to come out or what kind of monetization is going to be around that. But the a 2D tabletop with the built-in stuff of D&D Beyond, all the icons, campaign integration, they've talked about now more deep character integration and the rolling stuff that people can see. So I, I think especially for people that don't want to mess with something like foundry or maybe even something like rule 20, uh, this could provide and, and is currently able to provide a very decent alternative if you are playing online. And especially if you have your campaigns and character sheets and stuff within D and D beyond. Yeah. There's so much cool stuff in this now. In fact, um, once we start playing again, I am pretty sure that we're just going to use this going forward. Um, just because it, it has all the different stuff that I need. Yeah, that's it's, it's great. You do, I believe still need the DM level subscription to use it because it is still an alpha. Um, 
but likely they will roll out some sort of functionality to it beyond subscribers at some point. Because I know they did that with encounters as well, mm -hmm. which hopefully they will continue to improve encounters. Hopefully they will continue to enhance the character sheet. There's lots of uh, different things that I'm I'm hoping and looking for uh, homebrew extra homebrew or more friendly homebrew functionality. So uh, we'll see. I'm interested uh, to see how D&D Beyond progresses throughout 2024, especially now with uh, Demiplane also getting a 5e nexus going which is super cool um they've got character sheets with third party stuff but kind of speaking of that they did mention in the video and we'll have a link to this in the show notes on deandiscussions.com uh they're currently prepping for all the 2024 rule books to make sure that those uh work well and are compatible with everything and they did confirm that more third party content is on the way they did not mention what but I think they have like six uh, pieces of third party content on there now. Humblewood being the latest one. We talked about that last last mm -hmm. episode. Uh, so I'm very excited that they are continuing to be more open. And it sounds like continuing to foster more third party partnerships to get that content into D&D Beyond to make it far more accessible. Yes, completely agree. And I mean, just the fact that it, everything is just kind of, you know, collapsing in on itself and stuff is great. Um, just the, the plain, you know, map based, uh, everything that they're doing is great. Um, and, and the thing is, is because they're, they are putting so much work into that. I know that when they finally get into doing like their, their three dimensional version of it and everything, it's going to have a lot of good, hard work going in after it. And I'm excited for when that happens, but you know what? In the meantime, I'm having a, or I'm going to have a ton of fun using just the basic map. Like I always have been and having it just tied together with the indie beyond. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's certainly something I would use now if I needed to do a session online. Mm -hmm. Sure. Definitely. Um, they also today released, uh, we usually record Wednesday nights. Um, they also released today a brand new video called uh, Vecna Eve of Ruin Everything You Need to Know. Uh, we will also have a link to this in the show notes. But they basically talk a little bit more about what this brand new level 10 to 20 adventure is. Yeah, it's really cool. And it sounds super cool. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm actually, I actually kind of want to run this. And, and what's even better is we were kind of right about some of these points. So I'm excited about that. You know, yeah. the fact that it does touch on a, a bunch of different multiverses to kind of give you a good taste and flavor of it. Um, they talk about just basically how evil Vecna is and what's going down and what's happening. And then they hinted at, you know, like popular Dungeons and Dragons characters that, you know, some we know from fifth edition, but others from like previous editions and stuff, you know, names you've heard of like Mordenkainen and Tasha, um, just things like that are really cool. And they're these big characters are actually part of this going so you into get to play. Yeah. Yeah. As exactly. a DM and they have stat blocks, which yes. will be very interesting uh, to see. Like I said, I think this is going to be, our first real taste of what the 2024 revamp, especially monster design mm -hmm. and such looks like, because this has been, this has been developed in tandem 
with these 2024 revamps. Um, and it's also one of uh, their incredibly few, but this one is like a fully legit 10 to 20 adventure. Like you, you start off as a party, you have notoriety um, within, within one of the, the big cities and you get called in to help with this Vecna problem. And then they, there's uh, a really cool collection thing where you go around and you try to put together, I think said the seven pieces of this rod mm-hmm. and it's all in these different planes. You get to go to, you get to meet all these different uh, big characters from D and D and interact with them. And it, it sounds like a ton of fun. Like I said, we'll, we'll link the video if you want to, get the more in-depth info on it uh, on deandiscussions.com. But it's it totally sounds like something that I would want to play. Yeah, same here. I am really wanting to, to get in there and play this. And I mean, I'll DM it if I have to, but it, it seems like something that would be a really cool adventure, something really fun to play. And I really hope that it's put together in such a way, and we won't know this, probably more until it comes out mm-hmm. but i really hope this it's put in uh, put it together in such a way that it will really teach people especially dms how to do high level yes like how to run high level how to present it how to run the encounters how to run the rp because the players have so many more tools in their toolbox even at just at level 10 than three or five or even seven, right? Uh, you get start getting these higher level, you know, level five, level six spells where they can do all this, this crazy stuff. So I'm, I'm really hopeful that the, they dedicated a good amount of time to teaching that tier three, tier four running the game. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm look, I'm really excited. Looking forward to this. Yeah, but uh, so Vecna, Eve of Ruin, they've got it up for pre-order now on D&D Beyond for both the digital and the physical it comes out May 21st. So if you're interested in that, definitely check that out. Uh, we'll have that in the link. And then also uh, just from a community standpoint and non-D&D news, uh, Dagger Heart, which is the Darrington Press, you know, the critical role uh, RPG that they are currently making has announced that they are going to have a public open beta playtest that is going to begin on March 12th. Uh, this is a playtest for their full RPG, you know, longer form RPG system that's fantasy based. And I'm very interested to see what they've done with it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm interested to, to check it out. Hopefully I'll be able to even run a game or play in a game uh, through my friendly local game store uh, once we can get that set up. Uh, and one of the other cool things is uh, they're going to have Demiplane integration yeah. with the playtest right off the bat. Uh, so it looks like they'll have a character creator uh, for Demiplane. So you'll get that D&D Beyond-esque feel right off the bat, which I think it was a super smart idea of theirs to collaborate and partner with Demiplane on that because Demiplane has been doing a great job with kind of servicing every other 
<laughs> tabletop RPG <laughs> or every other really big one because they've got, you know, Avatar, they got Vampire, they got Pathfinder uh, that then are allowing that D&D Beyond like uh, experience, at least for the character uh, tools are concerned, mm-hmm. uh, which is a huge accessibility thing and uh, an incredible ease of use. So I'm very excited that they are partnering with them and we'll be able to use those tools right off the bat. Yeah, exactly. So March 12th, definitely check that out. If that sounds like something that would be up your alley. All right, uh, Ben, I think with that, uh, we are, we are basically done with the episode. Uh, I know we usually talk about what we're doing in our campaigns. Ben, I know you are, I'm still in at, at the, the moment. Yeah. To start back. Um, I have a session coming up in two days. So Ooh. on Friday. So I'm very excited uh, for that, that to happen uh, as our adventurers delve deeper into a secret passage in the sewers to try and find the the source of where these kidnapped people are being dropped off. There should be a lot of fun stuff uh, that goes along with that. Hopefully uh, a lot of information. Hopefully they'll be okay <laughs> as they, as they delve in deeper, but I will have a full report on that next episode for sure. Uh, once it happens. Very cool. I'm looking forward to it. And um, looking at March, March is also incredibly full and busy on the weekends for me, but um, I'm going to hopefully try to squeeze it in sometime very soon. Gotta, because gotta squeeze it in. I know it's gotta squeeze it in. It's uh, there, there's a lot going on and uh, I I've got to, I've got to get this creativity out of me. So <laughs> you're going to, you're going to have to do like a, like a, like a recap. Oh like no, a, I've, I've already, like a, 10, 10, 15 minute recap or something. Yeah, no, I've already started and it's going to be basically from session one. This is kind of the highlights of things that have happened that have gotten you here that have built into our current story. So because montage montage, yep. Things that they did in the first very first session, which was supposed to be one shot, uh, are having direct results right now which is what I kind of, you know, did a big exposition dump at the end of our last session, which was all the way back in, I think, September. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's health reasons. And then the world's uh, getting busy just did not help with D and D, but we're getting back into it soon. Very exciting. I, I am very much looking forward to hearing uh, the results of your coming back session. Oh, oh me sure. too. Me too. It's going to be a lot of, uh, let's not do combat this time. Cause no one remembers what to do. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of, a lot of, uh, relearning. Exactly. Things, probably. Exactly. Yeah. But you know what? That's okay. Everybody okay. is friends. We are, we love each other. We're having a, a grand old time. So it's, it's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, uh, that will do it then for episode 106. Uh, but before we leave, Ben, why don't you tell everybody where we can be reached? Of course. Uh, the first place you can find us, of course, is going to be uh, our email. So if you have any questions, comments, or you know, want to share what you've done with bandits, 
uh, or evil campaigns, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. It's dndiscussions at gmail.com. That's where you can find us uh, as uh, many people have and have asked questions and shared stories. And we love hearing from everybody. So please make sure you keep those emails coming. Um, Other than that, we are found on blue sky that, you know, fun little social media uh, experience. Uh, The show itself is at dndiscussions. If you're looking for Ryan, you can find him. He is at TBK Zord and I am at Ben Bumhofer. Um, on top of that, if you like this episode, every single episode is available on dndiscussions.com where you can find links to our discord, uh, as well as our socials on there too. So if for some reason you don't know how to spell my name, or you think that I'm lying when I say, uh, Ryan's, you know, is TBK Zord. It's actually there. You can click on it and uh, sign up that way. Um, if you want to hear me playing some Dungeons and Dragons, though, check out Plus Five to Hits. Um, we are currently going through Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, having a lot of fun. Uh, there's a lot of backstory uh, uh, information dropped on the last episode, which was really cool and, and a lot of fun. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens after we finish Rhyme because there's there's stuff in place that is going to be pretty cool. It's uh, some neat homebrew stuff that Rose putting together. Um, so you can check that out. And of course, I think it was um, not last summer, but the one before we had that evil campaign that uh, Jeff ran. So you can always check that out as well. Um, aside from that, again, dndiscussions.com. Find everything there. Uh, listen to us on your podcast player of choice. And of course, as I say every week, Ryan, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I always have a lot of fun with that. Everybody, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate all of your support. Uh, if you want to help us and support just a little bit more, you know what? Give us a five-star review or, you know, just click five stars or something like that, especially if you like us. If you don't, just, you know, forget about it. You, you don't have to click five stars. It's okay. Um, but with that being said, it's time to end the night. So everybody roll well and be good to each other. Take care and we'll see you soon.